Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench. This is Danny Canal with Raja Bell. Episode 14. We're already 14 episodes in, man. Yes, indeed. Feels good. We got a big show for you. We got Willie Taggart scheduled to come on. I don't... I'm a little nervous about this. I don't know if we get him or not. I'm pumped up for that. But I'm a little nervous because it's signing day. It's yeah. the first time ever we've had early signing day, but he's going to take some time out to chat with us for a few that's minutes. That's kind of big. Yeah. I think that's you pulling your weight a little bit. Bro. That's, <laughs> I don't that's, know. Yeah, I hope so. We'll find it. Well, we haven't got it yet, so we'll see if he, we'll see if he does show up. Uh, we're also going to get into the greatest Laker of all time. We're going to give you our top five list for Wednesday. This time, it's top five pump-up music artists. That was Debo's description pump of that. Pump-up music I would just artists. call it a pregame pl- uh, playlist, <laughs> but we'll go with Debo's words. We'll go with that. Uh, the Cavs lost to the Bucks. We'll get into that a little bit. And I think there's a little bit of drama brewing in New England. So we're going to get to all of that up in a minute. But first, it is bowl season, Raja. Yeah. The f- bowls are in full force. 41 bowl games. Last night... It was right in our backyard. Yes. FAU was playing at the Boca Bowl. Singletary. Touchdown, Owls. Shifty moves by the sophomore running back, Devin Singletary. Oh, this ain't about me. I feel great for our players, for our fans. You know, they haven't won in a long time. Ten years since he's been to a bowl game. So to win 11 games and really, you know, 10-game winning streak, um, there's got to be – you know, this has got to be the hottest team in the country. They don't even play close games. We've only had one game within 14 points the last 10 weeks. All right, so that was the Cherubundi chart, tart, cherry juice, what? Boca Raton Bowl. That was the official name. That's the, the Cherubundi tart, cherry juice is the official sponsor of that bowl. Scrap that. That was, uh, it was a blowout. It wasn't even close. It wasn't entertaining. I think there are too many bowls. The fans were chanting 10 more years. Because they actually gave Lane Kiffin an extension, a 10-year contract, which if he makes it 10 years, like we said, we get 10,000 followers. We're going to do a a cipher. We're going to do a contest, a little rap battle. If he gets 10 years, I'll... You can have one of my kids. Like, it is not going to happen. There's no chance, no chance he no gets chance. 10 years. But I do like it's a show of that. So what's the buyout then on that? Like, how do you, why no would you idea. lock in for 10 years? See, here's the thing. There probably is some – and this is actually the genius of Lane Kiffin because I'm sure he probably has something to do with this or his agent. I think this is a perception thing. Hey, people will – Lane has said it from day one. He wants the buzz because you're at FAU. You don't get right. a lot of buzz. So he right. wants to do things to create buzz. You get a 10-year extension – Everybody's going to be talking about it. It today, was buzz, including us. Yep. So the the game was awful. Uh, I think they should cut the bowl games in half. No when way, I was bro. playing twenty years ago, they had twenty bowl games. It was perfect. Yeah, but you got to play. You were at a you were <laughs> yes. at a blue blood program, you know, so you got to play. But in you one know every why? Year. You know why I got to play in them? Because we won and we were good. If you're six and six, okay, which is what uh, Toledo was. They were awful this season. Or they were seven and six, right? Akron. Akron. No, who was it last night? Yeah. Akron. Akron. All right. It was the Akron Zips. I can't, see, I can't even keep track of who's playing. <laughs> Toledo's in one too, aren't they? Yes, they are too. They played the other night. I can't keep track of which Mac team is out there playing, but there are a slew of teams that are six and six right. this year. Thank goodness. We don't have any teams that are five and seven because we had teams last year, five and seven playing in a bowl. 
Like, you should have to earn it. This, to me, is the equivalent of giving everybody a trophy. And I can't stand that mindset. Like, oh, good season, young Johnny. Way yes. to go. You tried your hardest. Here you go. Here's your trophy. I don't love that this either. This is the trophy. I don't love that either, but I'm going to disagree because, like, yeah, okay, Toledo or Toledo. You got me saying Toledo. <laughs> Akron. Just damn Mac teams. Akron, uh, six and six, but FAU, that's 11 wins. Like, if, if you don't have a Cherub Bundy tart cherry juice Boca Bowl, they don't get to play and they deserve it. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like, I played at small schools for my entire career. I played at Boston University and Florida International and, and, um, you know, we were a snub for the NCAA tournament my junior year. We lost maybe four games all season, and we didn't win our conference tournament. And we had beaten some blue blood programs, but we just weren't going to get that auto, like that automatic bid, not the automatic, but the at large bid. Yeah. Um, and we were such a small school that at the time they didn't even consider us for the NIT. So I'm always partial to a small school uh, getting an opportunity to play another game, especially like the seniors, guys who you know they've had great seasons. Uh, but they're not Power Five conferences, so I, I, I'm cool with them having multiple bowls out there. I just wish, like the names of, like, can I buy a bowl? <laughs> yeah, you could I do could. it. Like, yeah, I could have the Bell Family Trust Bowl. Maybe totally, absolutely. What do you think Get one of those runs? It. Like, what's a bowl naming? Run I don't front? think it's too crazy for you running around with all that NBA money. No, you could heck, probably drop no, a couple mil. No, heck no. I bet it's, a, I bet heck it's, no. I bet it's between. I have no idea. This is totally off the top. I bet it's between three and five million for a lower tier. For bowl. a lower tier, like what? Like the chart? <laughs> I keep saying chart. Cherubundi, Cherubundi, tart cherry juice. The Bell, the Bell Family Trust juice. would not have a bowl juice. game. Oh, I look it up, Debo. Look it up. I'm telling you, I've talked about these bowls ad nauseum, except for knowing which teams are playing. Florida Atlantic, though. Yeah. Like, has anyone rehabbed an image in as quick a time span as as Lane Kiffin? I mean, Lane Kiffin was was a spoiled brat a couple yeah. years ago. Like Lane is Lane was on fire last night. He was all over the pregame and. Running you know, up the score. I mean, it was 34-3, and they're going, <laughs> go for, bro, two, going for two. And he was saying, hey, they talk smack. I'm going to go ahead and Why go not? for two. Yeah. And I, I really like what he's done because I've, I've told you guys this off air, but I flirted with the idea of wanting to coach at my alma mater, FIU. And everyone around town asks me, like, what would you do? What's the recipe? And I'm like, well, I believe the recipe to be, like, right here in your backyard. Like, there are plenty of guys that are too good to necessarily want to go to FIU off the bat or FAU in this instance football-wise. But those second-tier athletes in the state of Florida, some of those kids that get overlooked by the national powers, some of the kids that, that like grade-wise, might have to go to JUCO and then and then come back, they're fully capable athletically of 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 being like on the playing field with some of those bigger schools. And you saw it across the board with guys like Moto Singletary. I mean, Driscoll looked good. Some of those wide receivers look just look fast and like little just uncatchable dudes. So I, I think he's taken that recipe that I think would work at some of these smaller Florida schools, and he's implementing it at FAU, and I dig it. All right, Debo has straightened me out, but I'm still contending that I am correct on this one. The official name is the Cherubundi Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. I like the juice better. But that's what it is. Because I was like, what the heck is Cherubundi Tart Cherry? It is a juice. It's It's juice for cleanses and stuff. My wife's all into the health aspects. That's what it's for. I would say to you, and this might sound really cutthroat, if you wanted to play in the tournament, win your conference. Then it's something – because I think it should be – see, here's my problem with it. Yeah. I think it should be really hard to play in a big dance. I think it should be really hard to play in a bowl game, and it's not hard to play in a bowl game. Imagine what it would have meant oh. to you if you would have made the dance and you would have been playing. You'd have been like, we accomplished something as opposed to, all right, guys, you didn't win. So you're saying that if I don't get to play in a bowl game, mm-hmm. 
all right, I'm, I'm going to feel better than if I like achieved playing in a bowl game. Like that doesn't make sense. Like kids that get to play in a bowl game are just going to be happy. They played it. They don't care that it was a Cherubundi tart juice. Okay. For some game. kids they do, but I think we have so many bowls. They've been diluted so much. You've got players who are saying, I'm not going to play because they're getting ready for the draft. Yeah. Royce Freeman did it for Oregon. We've got uh, Derwin James from Florida State. Now these are top tier and these are skipping good bowl games. This right. is the Boca Raton bowl. These are, Bigger bowls, the Las Vegas Bowl. Actually, it was played before that one. I don't know what the scope of how good their gift package was, but I feel like it's 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 becoming less and less of a big deal to play in a bowl. And players just want to go for the trip. They don't necessarily want to play in the game. I measure bowl games by swag, like what they're going to get oh, in the totally, gift package. Totally, right? absolutely. And a list came out like the other day of what some of these bowls were giving away in yeah. their swag bags, and I would be pissed like, <laughs> if, if you I didn't get if, to go. Uh, no, if I went. Oh and you yeah, were, and you were given like. Uh, uh, one of them was like a, a, a blanket. Yeah, a hoodie. And I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> right. about? The best. So we used to have the bowl gifts, and every time, and I was a little bit bothered by this because you could either get like, a, and at the time, I don't even remember what the game was like, probably PlayStation One or Nintendo was probably right, at the right, time, right. like the first <laughs> yeah. Nintendo. You could get a little swag bag, or you could get a ring for playing in the bowl. You could ship in like your 500 bucks, and you could get a ring. Right. Every time, our seniors always chose the ring, and I was like. We had, by the time I left, I had like nine rings. Oh, they made the get, call for the whole team. Yes. Uh, you'd have the seniors would vote on the gifts. And I, I don't know it, if I it was it, the coaches. It. There was some influence there, uh, that was getting in on it. Uh, so we have the bowl season going on, but it is also for the first time ever, we're having a new early signing period in college football. Some coaches aren't too thrilled with it. In particular, one what? Nick Saban. <laughs> Uh, I don't see how it benefits anybody. It's really stressful for everyone. We're all trying to get ready for bowl games and playoff games, and we got a signing date right in the middle when we're going to be practicing for a playoff game. All right, Nick Saban doesn't like it. You know what I say? Stop crying. You make $11 million. You have to work a little bit harder. $11 million a year, you can make a couple extra phone calls while you're, quote, prepping for the bowl game, which, by the way, is another 10 days away. Bro, I could not have said it better. Uh I think it sounds like Nick's a little salty because they're seventh projected right now instead of like number one where they usually are. But yeah, I I read some articles about guys, you know, uh, detailing their last week and having to get ready for a bowl game. And then he's in, then he's in Boca in a, in a visit and then he's back home to cook. Yeah. That's why you make $10 million a year. It's your job. If you don't want to do it, pick another damn profession. Like I have no, why do I care? Like why really real talk? Why do I care? I'm with you. It's uh, it's the first time they've done it. I signed in February when I did it. There was always the big national signing day. It was on televised on ESPNU from wall to wall coverage. Yeah. These nerds get in there. I'm sorry, I never paid attention to recruiting, even as a as a supposed su- supposed expert. I don't even pay attention to the recruits now because I don't care if a guy's four and five star. What does he do when he gets on the field? Like that's what I want to find out when a guy's a freshman. Do you know that Bama's made up eighty percent of their roster is either a four or five star player? That's it- insane. So don't you know, cry to me about getting players. You're going to get your players. I know. And then, I, like, how hard is it to win if you always – like, this was always the knock on Phil Jackson. And it wasn't really a knock because Phil's still regarded as one of the best coaches, you know, ever. But, you know, those who would knock Phil would say, yeah, but he had Shaq and Kobe. He had Mike and Scotty. Like, he always had loaded rosters. Like, it's not hard to win when you have the best <laughs> players all the time, is it? Like, you should be in the conversation for a national championship when your whole roster is the best possible kids playing high school football coming to college. Right. Because I I believe it is – it's a lot about the X's and the O's, but it's more about the Larry's and the Joe's. Right? It's more about the players on the field. Now, what you get a dynasty, what Nick Saban has, 
is when you get the best players and you combine that with the greatest coaching, which I think is what Phil Jackson did too. Right. He's an exceptional coach. And I think the NBA is more about managing egos. Don't you think? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, as yeah. much about X's and O's. And I think Phil was able to do that, able to manipulate the right buttons, manipulate, uh, uh, motivate yeah, in the best you're way dealing, possible. You're dealing with kids. In the NBA, right. you're dealing with like professional grown men. Um, another question though, like, and I wish I had, I mean, I don't know what the rule is, but I want to make a Rajah's rule for this one. But yeah. like, we talked about it a few weeks ago. These early signing periods and, and these assistants, because from all I read, like, that's going to be the, 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 the biggest difference in this is the way that these assistant coaches, like that domino effect that starts to happen and all these guys shuffling. Mm-hmm. Um, Getting kids and selling kids, you're essentially a used car salesman. Like, you're selling this kid. I'm looking you in the face, telling you, yeah, dude, we're going to be here for four years. Uh, FIU is the place for you. Come And right after you sign, I take a job somewhere else. There, a kid should have some flexibility. Um, he should just have some flexibility if that happens to him. I just firmly believe that. I don't know what the answer is, but um, you're dealing with – these are young men's lives. Like, and you're making millions of dollars, so I get it's your livelihood, but – a young man picking the right situation for him um, and having the right people in his corner or the ones that he perceived to be the right people in his corner could be the difference between him being a very, very successful what-have-you and, and flaming out and leaving college. Like, you're very literally have these guys' like lives in the balance there. I think it's one of the most important decisions you'll make in your life. I think I totally agree with you because the players have so little leverage. And I'm not one I – don't, I don't believe we should go out and fully pay the players, make them professional. I don't think – I'm not in that camp. But I am in the camp where we've got to make things fairer for players. And one of those things, I'm totally on board with you. You've got to let them. If their coach leaves, they should be allowed to transfer. There should be a window. Give them a couple months. Let them decide if he wants to leave. If your coach leaves, it gets a little bit hairy. If it's Is it just the head coach? Right. Is it the coordinator? Is it your position coach? But I think the NCAA should absolutely – they won't look into it because they don't care. But I think they should look yeah. into it and do it. Uh, let's get to Willie Taggart. Our guy at Florida State, he can help us answer some of these questions. Currently, they have the 50th class right now, but they only have nine commits. They're expecting to see that change, which should make up most of their class. All right, let's get to it. All right, it's my privilege to welcome to the podcast brand new head coach, Florida State University, Willie Taggart. Willie, what's going on? Uh, work, 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 <laughs> um, and more work. You know, it don't stop right now. You know, you got this early signing period, and you're trying to recruit coaches. You're trying to recruit players. Uh, trying to recruit our current players. Um, it's all recruiting right now, but it's been fun. I appreciate you coming on because I know today is the first day of the new early signing period. I know it's probably crazy. You're picking up the phone, trying to close deals, get them all done. I had a quick question for you, though, because all of a sudden about the day of your press conference when you were announced as the head coach and it was your opening press conference, <laughs> my Twitter starts blowing up and people are saying, man, Coach Taggart, he's, he's calling you out. He's taking shots. And I'm like, wait a second. And then other people are saying he's a shout out. So I heard it. And I was laughing. I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm thrilled I got the shout out in the press conference. But when you went there and said, you watched, you gave his whole list and greats, like these are all time seminal greats when you're talking about Deion Sanders, Charlie Ward, mm-hmm. and then he even threw in a, even Danny Cannell. So now what was the, what was the kind of the message of that? Was that like, Hey, I even when they were, when they had Danny, like they might not have been as great as they were. Is that what that meant? Or was that you've been that dedicated through the years that you just know that much history? Well, it's just more the history is guys that I, I appreciated um, watching them play and, and being a, being a Seminole fan all my life is throwing out guys that, that, that stand up, that stood out to me. Um, and guys that kind of came to my head off, off top, to be honest with you, you know, <laughs> Um, and there's a lot of great, there's a lot of guys that I missed out on too, but, 
um, there was more of um, guys that I appreciated watching play and and um, and and knowing you, Danny, and and being a, been around you a little bit, that helped too. So. <laughs> nice. I love it. I think Chris Wanky might be upset, though. He might get a little mad at you. I don't know if he uh, got the shot I thought about a lot of guys that probably would have been upset, <laughs> but there's was, was a lot of great ones out there that that, that been a part of Even Casey Weldon. That's right. <laughs> there we go. Now uh-huh. we're going to go through the list of all the old quarterbacks. I love yes, it. Sir. I love it. Um, when you talked about getting the job at Florida State, you talked about the mm-hmm. meaning of family and what it meant to you growing up and how – it was your dream job that you, when you were younger, mm-hmm. do you remember the first Seminole game you actually went to or really were a part of? Well, I tell you what, for me personally, I never had an opportunity to to, to go to a game. Um, it was it was tough in my family to be able to come up and again growing up, I never had a chance to go to any college football game, but just watching them and again in our household, everybody loved the nose, and you would have thought someone in our family had graduated or went to school here. And, and no one did, you know, but um, actually the first time I really got a chance to experience a game came here in Dole Campbell um, Stadium was when I was at South Florida and we came up and played. And um, and there's one heck of an experience being here and you hear the, you hear the song come on and you just get goosebumps and it was a little weird because I was on the other side and I was like, geez, I remember growing up to this. This is what you wanted. You know, so I hear, I heard the song. I thought they were doing it for me. You know, and I was on another team. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, they they had no idea that it probably was for you back in the day, which is awesome. Uh, you talked about chasing a dream. What, mm-hmm. and now that it's kind of you've had a chance to set in, and I don't know how much it's had to set in because I'm sure you've been slammed. You know, hiring a staff, mm-hmm. getting after recruits. But have you had a minute to sit back and just kind of soak it in? And what's that feeling been like for you to kind of chase this dream and finally capture it? Well, I have to be honest with you, I really haven't. And, and someone asked me that the other day, and I told him it hadn't really hit me yet. You know, I think over the holiday at some point, when I get when I get a little time to kind of sit back and uh, take a deep breath, it, it would probably hit me. You know, it, like you said, I've just been on the go. Um, someone asked me the other day how you like Tallahassee. It's like I can't tell you because I've been in the airplane, you know, or, or driving around. But um it is fun being the head football coach, knowing you can go to the front of the line now when it comes to recruiting, and you don't have to be the parade waving anymore, waiting for the, the other guys. So that part's been fun. And again, I know it's going to hit me at some point in that hey, you the head football coach at Florida State University? <laughs> How about that? You know, and uh, damn, I just said that and got goosebumps. But um, <laughs> um, it's, it's pretty cool, like you said, man. It's something that I always wanted and dreamed of, and. Um, for everybody out there, man, um, dreams do come true if you just keep working towards them. So I know you're crazy. It's the early signing period. It's the first time we've had it. Now, I'm just going to give you full disclosure because me, I'm just mm-hmm. a loud mouth in the media right now. Like I get paid to just mm-hmm. say stuff, and I can't throw an interception. Mm-hmm. I can't lose a game. So I saw Nick mm-hmm. Saban come out the other day, and he was railing on the early signing period. And my mm-hmm. thoughts were, hey, he gets paid $11 million. The coaches, you guys get paid a lot of money. Like, Mm -hmm. it's part of your job now. It's part of the job description. Like, that's part of the work Mm -hmm. detail. Like, it just goes into it. Why is Mm -hmm. a, why do head coaches not like this early signing period? Well, I know for me personally, um, I just don't think it's necessarily fair to the the young people that have to make these lifetime decisions. You know, it's more of a rush job and it's more of a job to satisfy um, the coaches in the program right now rather than necessarily doing what's best for the kids. You know, you think about all the coaching changes that goes on around this time. It's not really fair to them to have someone recruiting them 
and then all of a sudden leave um, right after they sign. You know, the time in February to me was ideal because of all the coaching changes and stuff are pretty much done by that time, and and um, and the kids can really make the best decision um, for themselves. You know, so um, again, I never had a problem with February, um, and then you know, with change, changes. Um, people always get uncomfortable with change, you know, and it's something different now. But you just look at what's going on now. And some of these kids are probably wait because of all the uncertainty right now. So, um, And then I look at, like, for myself um, in this process of, of coming and having sh- such a short time to try to build a relationship with a kid and get them to come here, it's tough. It's tough to do. So how much of this does come down to the wire? Because I'm actually – I don't, I'm not a fan of signing day. Like, I like to watch kids when they play. Like, I can't stand guys that come in. I played with a lot of them who were four and five star guys, and they ended up being backups and never played, you know, never was. Cause I don't, I don't like to get all caught up into it. But how does it, how does it work for you? Like, how much of it do you think is closing today? Or is that, are the decisions already made? Well, I think on some guys in the program where they're, they're established and, and there's not a lot of, um, turnover at the time. And they have guys committed. I think you'll see those guys stay committed, you know. But the ones that have the turnover and and uh, there's been some changes, you'll see guys want to wait to, to try to see who who who's going to be their coach, you know, and and um, how things going from there. But I think you, I personally think going forward, you probably start seeing guys um, wait around in February to yeah. <laughs> to make sure unless unless they're early um, signee or early enrollees, you know. The other thing they want is that press con, like they want that national exposure, which drives mm-hmm. me nuts because they like this. You know, they haven't played one down of college football, <laughs> and they want to get out there and joke with everybody. And you know, and I'm sure you guys are sitting there watching on TV as a kid has three hats, and he pulls up one. He's like, "Yeah, I'm going to Tallahassee." And then he's like, "Nope, I'm going to Gainesville." Like that drives me insane. I can only imagine what it's like for you guys, and yet you have to play it cool. You can't rip a kid you know like you can't well, do that but what is it right. like when you what is it like say when a justin Fields says he's going to georgia and you guys lose out on somebody like what is the reaction well um again i think each and every person is different you know i've never been a person that, a type of coach that get upset with a kid for changing his mind um again this is his life and um, a big time decision for him to me i just focus on our program try to do a great job of building those relationships and and just hope that it's somewhere they want to be. And um, I think with with all of this, you you kind of know if a if a kid is coming to you or not. If you build the relationship like you you're supposed to, I think if you hadn't built those relationships and you thinking that you're probably going to get those guys and they switch out on you, that's to me that's on the coach. You know, um, I don't I don't uh, get upset with these kids whether they change their mind or not. It's their decision. I just try to do a great job of building those relationships and try to get them in our program and. I'm okay with they don't want to be here. As, kind of, as coaches, you you kind of move on, you know. Um, but you you can understand too with the young people. I mean, this is an exciting time for them, and most of these kids, it's the only time they're going to be wanted like this before, you know. And and they want the spotlight. And I mean, it's it is what it is for some <laughs> of them. Some of them are different, you know. But um, you got to be happy for them. It's life changing for them, and um, you just again, I think now you don't like all the the um, I'm going to come here, I'm going to go there, or and then yeah. switch out. But I think all coaches know ahead of time whether or not that kid's coming. So what was your conversation like with Coach Bowden when you called him up? Well, I um, wanted to introduce myself and um, 
tell him how much I uh, admire him and and what he's done at Florida State and always been a fan from a from a young guy coming on up and um the only time I was disappointed is when he didn't he didn't recruit me here to come be a part of here. I think he probably had about two more national championships if he did. But um <laughs> That's right. He <laughs> no, might have. Really, <laughs> no, but really just just let me know how much I appreciated him and I can remember him talking I was hearing him uh, speak one time and how he talked about faith, family and football and that's something that everywhere I've been is is, is something that I apply to our football program and and um and told him that I won't let him down and appreciate him and that he's always welcome to come by here. He don't have to call. Uh, he show up whenever he wants to and, and I would love some feedback from him because he is the best. He's the GOAT and um I'm happy now that I'm here in town and I can pick up a phone or drive over and see him and, and pick his brain. Amen to that. I'm, I'm you know, a huge fan of Coach Bowden. Obviously, haven't played for him. And I think his his insight and knowledge could be invaluable to you. And I, I think he'll do yeah. a pretty good job of not stepping on your toes either. Like, I think he'll be yeah. he'll be there if you need him, and yet he won't be yeah. meddling. Like, you know, that mother-in-law that kind of gets involved in your marriage. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. he knows a pretty good way to play it. I better get, not get in trouble with my wife for saying that. But I think, you know, I think he'll have a pretty good way. How about how about your new staff? Like, how is the, the formation of your new staff? Because I was as thrilled as I was to see you hired. I'm like, all right, let's see who he's bringing with him. Let's see who he's going to bring to Tallahassee how is that going it's going well you know I'm not a fan of um trying to get named guys to satisfy anybody else um what was best for me is getting the right fit for what we're trying to build here and and good getting really good mentors to help mentor our our players you know and, and to me that's part of coaching and but it all goes back to the right fit you know there's a lot of coaches out there that know X's and O's but they got to be a right fit for what we're trying to build and and trying to get an eagerless staff. And, and if I can get that, um, I think winning and everything else will take care of itself. We have some really good football players here that, that need to be mentored and coached up. And, and, um, and I'm looking out for, looking for the guys that really fit and, and appreciate what Florida State is all about. So, um, there's a lot of candidates, you know, phone was ringing off the hook, you know, resumes and everything. It's just getting the right fit in here. And, um, I think one of the most important hires is going to be the guy that we bring as a defensive coordinator. So um, I want to make sure we get the right guys and especially get our defense being back to um, playing Florida State defense like we all know and, and then being able to score points like we've always been able to do. What's what's your role going to be like for the bowl practices and the bowl itself? Like what do you do? Um, I've just been evaluating. You know, I've been, been able to go around and evaluate practice and um, – just seeing how we do things and I'm taking some notes to, to help me as we go forward on things. I know uh, what we've done in the past, how it's going to help us here, and, and also looking at some things they're doing that probably can we can implement to, to help us continue to go. So it's been more the evaluation part of it. And, again, like I said earlier, not only I'm out trying to recruit players to come here, but have got to re-recruit the guys that's here as well. So I know I'm not dialed in on the recruiting rules, but I want you to know I'm here for you. If you need anything, I know like Ohio State had this issue with Kirk Herbstreet and they got in trouble for him taking a picture. I would have been busted because I would have been sure. You want a picture? I'll do it. I don't know how you guys keep up track with the 400 pages of the rule book. Well, you just try to do right, you know, and, and, and not, not do anything wrong. And, um, you shouldn't have to cheat to do anything if you're working your butt off. So, um, but you just follow when you don't know, you got to act, you know, and, 
compliance will get tired of me because I'm I'm gonna always ask. I'm gonna blow their phone up because <laughs> one thing we're not gonna do is break any rules. So um, if you don't know, if you don't know, ask. All right. Hey <laughs> Willie, thanks so much for coming on. Close it out, man. Go get us some five stars at Florida State. All right. No, nah, we need we need we need the right player. You know, <laughs> no matter what star they are, um, it's all about developing once they get here. But I appreciate you, Danny. All thanks right, for perfect. having me on. Look forward to seeing you in Tallahassee. All right, thanks to Willie Taggart for jumping on with us. We appreciate that. Of course, Coach Taggart eventually hopes to get Florida State back to the national championship game. This year in Atlanta, it was just announced the other day that the halftime performer, and this was like there was a bunch of rumors going around early in the season when Taylor Swift's song was coming out, like at the tease college football. I thought it was one of the worst uh, correlations yeah. ever, like it was a bad fit for college football. Uh, they, there was speculation it might be her, but they came out. It's going to be Kendrick Lamar is going to be the halftime performer. True. Uh, pretty incredible. Like, I, I can't wait to see what it is. And they're trying to make college football like the Super Bowl. And this is another step in getting it to be that feel. I was going to ask you, when did that start happening? Because I don't remember there being a halftime performance at, 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 na- at a national They've championship. They've done it, but it's never been as big as it is now. And it really has started with the playoff era. Like the Orange Bowl has always had a huge halftime festivities. Yeah. And it's longer. Like I played in it three years. I think I told you that. Right. It was like I was bummed. I had to play in it three years <laughs> in a row. But I remember the halftime was always like 25 minutes. It was or 30 minutes. It was right. way longer than normal. And they'd have some performer, but it was never to the scale of this. So it's really a playoff era type thing. What are we? year four of this that's when they've started to do it but this by far will get the biggest buzz that we've seen so wednesday we do our top fives i think this is a good opportunity we're going to give you our top five pregame playlist favorites okay or as in debo's words our pump-up music artist a puma yeah yeah, our All right. <laughs> All right. So I'll let you go first there, Raja. Oh, Wait, this is not, uh, this is not today. Like this isn't if you're going out today. This is during your heyday. In my heyday. You're getting ready to go shut down Kobe. What oh, are you listening to on the way to the arena? Um, that's tough. Like I admittedly like not a big music head growing up. Like, so I don't, I, I, I don't know. I just want to preface it with that. Um, <laughs> all right. So my top five probably in, in no particular order, I guess. I definitely have Biggie in there. Like I, I was an East Coast Ooh. rap dude. So, um, anywhere in his catalog, you could find me. Pro- Jay-Z as well. Um, and then I, I was, I was, I was born in St. Croix in the Virgin Islands, raised there until I was 12, 13. So, um, I really like reggae. So there are a number of reggae artists, but Damien, Damien Marley, like Junior Gong Marley, um, when he dropped Ooh. Welcome to Jamrock. Like I was, I was into that. Like it was in rotation every day going to the game. Uh, that would be three. Um, anybody from the locks. I, I wasn't a big Sheik Luch fan, but like Jada and Styles P, like I, especially Jada, like I, and, and he goes really hard, not commercial, but like it, it, it spoke to me. And then DMX. Just yeah. because like I got, <laughs> like I was into all of that. Yes. He was, he was angry. He right. got you fired yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. You do anything you want. Who were the locks? <laughs> that's, that's just a white dude coming out at me. I usually feel I'm pretty connected on that one. Who are the locks? It's like the filet salmon. Right? The locks. Yeah, the locks. The, on a bagel. Right. And the schmear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to Google some locks. Uh, right. The locks. Let's see. The locks were with, like, they started with Biggie, and I want to say, I, I, like, in that camp with, like, Lil' Kim and all of them, right? Didn't they start up in something like that, and then they kind of... We'll have, to, mean, we'll have to do. We'll have to do a little. It's research. hard to explain. You never. Yeah. Heard the, okay. <laughs> I'm sure. I've a lot heard of it. their stuff's got I'm a lot sure of f bombs. Yeah, <laughs> they were with Bad Boy. Records. They were with Bad Boy yeah. to start. Right, oh, okay, right. they were yeah. with Bad Boy, of course. Uh, that's another good one. Uh, the Biggie and uh, P Diddy. Yeah, when yeah, they were yeah. coming out there, I was bumping that. All right, so my number five, 
Sundays, driving to the stadium, be a little bit nervous, yeah. right? You know, it's you only play once a week. It's not as many nights as you played in the NBA. I put on a little gospel, try to calm it oh, down word. a little bit, try to soothe the soul, make yeah, sure I was good with the big one upstairs <laughs> okay. before I played. All right, then number four. We've had Black Thought the other day. We listened to his side. I had the roots yeah. I would have. And actually, my man Jake Plummer, actually, when we came out as the quarterback group, he had it worked out where we came out to the roots when we came out just the early, like way pregame. Right. They'd play it while we were throwing and warming up, just uh, just the quarterbacks. In college, just to mix up genres a little bit, I'd ride with the linebackers, the white linebackers. Yeah. So they'd want to get a little bit heavier. So we listened to a, 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 a compilation of a little Stone Temple Pilots what? and a little Alice in Chains. They, I know Alice. Like, they were nuts. Like what these is guys that? Were crazy. What, what is the song from See, Stone right, Temple so, Pilots? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're gonna have to like uh, this is my blackishness our, coming out. Right? <laughs> we're gonna have to open up each other's minds a little yeah. bit to some. You don't know who those guys are, Debo? No, no, no. Oh my god, my man Debo is from. He's from All the right, I'm gonna have to what, open six one zero or two one five. Classic six one zero, baby. Some of the greatest rock bands of all time. I had Jay Z on there, a little public service announcement. True, true. Allow true. me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Yeah. Right. And then number one for me was Snoop, Dr. Dre, The mm. Chronic, that mm. album. 2001? Like, yeah, like, yeah. or even before that. That might have been the two, because I was in college when was The Chronic it? was out. Oh, now, I'm, thinking, was, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, uh, you? still Dre. Like, yeah. That, yes, my yeah. bad. Yes. But both of yes, them yes, together. Yes, yes. That was, that was playing all the time throughout our dorm. Like that, that album was playing. That was non-stop. a good. That was a good album. Yeah. Did you ever Whole listen album. to your your own song? <laughs> no, Danny I did was not. On an album with DMX. <laughs> that is true. And he actually, so true story. When we were recording ours, I did it with Kerry Collins. So he actually flew up to New York. We went to a studio down in like Union Square. Yeah, we knocked it out. Uh, we had some Captain and Cokes to kind of get things going a little <laughs> bit, which was not quite as strong as what DMX had. Right, he had right. something stronger <laughs> influence. He came to the studio, the same studio we did. It was weird because we actually, our song was a Beastie Boys song and they are on the track. Right. But they had laid down the track before, so we never got to record with them, which uh, I was kind of bummed about. Right, right. But DMX was recording right after us, so he comes in the studio, has like three pit bulls with him, and like the dogs. Yeah, yeah, oh, like nice, real dogs nice. in the in Manhattan. Not into his the studio. dogs, but like real dogs. Real dogs, yes, yeah. And came in there, and I think I think that was like part of his thing. Like he always traveled with dogs because he was always barking. Right. And uh, everybody was kind of scared of him. Uh, <laughs> For yeah, real. Yeah, like, and yeah, I was scared of him too. So I, I didn't really uh, really didn't say much. Step what's up on the way out. <laughs> That's funny. DMX covered like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Yes, my kids. I showed it to him. It was the other awesome. Day. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly. awesome. Uh, I mean, there there needs to be some the 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 Christmas genre as I'm learning the last couple weeks as I'm getting sick of it. You need to be able to go diverse and go off and put a little DMX. Not on. a Christmas music fan. I am, I love Christmas music, yeah. but I, I get a little fatigued because we start early. Like okay. I'm talking November first. <laughs> like way. Like I think you're supposed to do Christmas. This is way early because right, the kids Christmas. are ready for it. Yeah. So now we're on to DMX. That's how. <laughs> that's how bad we're getting in the cycle of Christmas music. Um. So the other night was Kobe. Kobe Day. Kobe night. Right. We talked about that. You had some great stories. Those were awesome. So it brought up the conversation of who's the greatest Laker of all time. Magic, one of the greatest Lakers of all time himself, actually had some thoughts on it. We're here to celebrate the greatest who's ever wore the purple and gold. So he went ahead and just said it. Said Kobe is the greatest of all time. Shaq, even though they had their beefs, he came out and said Kobe was the greatest Laker of all time. Do you have any beef with this, or do you think Kobe? It's a lock. It's done. Give him the two numbers. He's the greatest of all uh, time. I don't have any beef with it, but I'm not. I don't. I don't know that it's a hands down like 
I mean, I, it probably is. I have no beef with Kobe getting it. My question is, and forgive me, but what, do you know how many championships Magic has won? He won five. five. Kobe but won he only six. played, Kobe won five as well. Five. Remember how bad he wanted six to get yeah, Jordan that's and he right, couldn't get that's it? Right, that's but right. Kobe played 20 years, Magic only played 13. Yeah, I mean, so that would be my only, like, that would be the only challenger there. And I, because I grew up in that golden era of basketball when, when Magic, you know, Bird and then MJ came along and they basically resurrected the NBA. Magic's always gonna like be what I associate with the Laker brand mm-hmm. when you say Lakers to me. Um, but Kobe, because he was there 20 years, um, like I, if you I, go all time totals, points, rebound, like all that assists, all that, it's gonna, it's gonna favor Kobe. I don't know if the assists do because he never passed, but Magic in 13 seasons had the same amount of titles, five, right. had one more finals MVP. And he had three, he had three regular season MVPs. I didn't really, Kobe only had one regular right. season MVP. He got screwed a few times though. Like he got jacked a couple times. But, and, so you're saying Kobe's, all those numbers are just, uh, you know, I'm saying because attributed he, to attrition. Like you well, just no, been there. I think he's played longer in Magic. If you went by percentage of like how many seasons he played and how many times he succeeded, Magic's percentage is higher of those times. Yeah. No, I'm, a, I'm I'll give you. it to you this I, way. Let me ask you this. If you were starting a franchise, because I think this is the best way to determine it, yeah. who would you pick to Kobe. start your franchise? Every time? Every time. Even though you could surround Magic and he'd make everybody better, lift nah, him up? Nah. No, you'd want the assassin? I, I know when push comes to shove. Like, I don't know what I'm surrounding Magic with, right? Like, those yeah. are all unknown entities. I know I can give that man the ball, and he'll go give me 60, like, multiple times. I'm I'm going to go with that. Does yeah. Kareem factor in at all? He sh- he's the greatest scorer of all time, right? He, <laughs> he's got five titles as well. His best years were probably with the Bucks. Yeah, and he, yeah. right, right. He wasn't a lifetime Laker for me, like a lifelong. Still 14 seasons, more than Magic. Really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know he played in Lakerland for that long. Why'd you, uh, why'd you, uh, you look like you had a story or something on the Shaq Kobe beef. <laughs> I just I have a little perceptive on that. I saw a little body language. No, no, no. You I just share or not share look, or what? Shaq, I, 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 I don't know any real history between. <laughs> All, right. All right, I'll tell you a little. I'll tell you a little. All right, Shaq said to me once, like we were on the bus, and he was talking about, um, he was talking about when Kobe was a really young player. And he came in. The Lakers were were a bunch of like veterans. You know, it was a veteran laden team. He didn't play a lot his, his his rookie year. Like he had to come in and cut his teeth and earn his keep. It wasn't like they just dropped him in and he was Kobe. So, you know, Kobe was trying to become Kobe, and all of these older dudes were still trying to eat. You know, they were still trying to get fed and win. And so Kobe would come in and shoot a few more times than he probably should. Take him out of the flow of their offense. So Shaq said that the older players had a universal symbol. Um, that they all understood to be like, stop passing him the ball. And so it, it was like, if you would put like two thumbs up, like you put your, your, your two thumbs up and your fists, like if you were given just a straight thumbs up and then you just kind of touch your fist with your thumbs, right? Yeah. So like that was the sign. And if I did that to you, you knew that you were, <laughs> you, were that was the, you were supposed to cut the young fella out for a little while. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. That man. is so incredible. That, it became a running joke. We had a kid on our team like Goran Giracek uh-huh. and this is how it kind of came up because Goran, came to the Suns late in the year, and Goran would come in, and he just wanted buckets, and he was a heck of a player, too. But he wanted buckets, and it would kind of take us out of the flow offense sometimes. So Shaq was like, yo, and he'd give me that signal. And I'd be like, dude, what the hell is that? And he finally told me the story of how that came came to be, and it was Kobe. (laughs) See, now I always thought, like, they're setting up plays. You guys are sitting out of balance, maybe setting an (laughs) offense, coming down the floor, and all it means is don't pass it to Kobe. Don't pass it to Goran. Gita is what we call them. Don't give it to Gita. Gita, no. (laughs) I love that. Subtleties. Uh, So Kobe, Shaq had their famous beef. There also was a famous beef between Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas. But – 
They buried it. They buried the hatchet in a very emotional NBA TV interview. Who, who, who sit up at 19, 20, 21 dreaming of stuff we wanted to do and now here we are doing it, you know. But you are my brother. Let me apologize to you if I hurt you that we haven't been together and God is good to bring us back together. All right? I know, man. It hurt me too. Come here, man. All right. We didn't even play the I whole wasn't length. ready for that. Well, oh, it was emotional. Isaiah needed like two minutes to recoup, like to recover because he couldn't speak. He was sobbing. I'm a little verklempt. On magics. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we need some tissues in here uh, for the episode what, 14 pod. What? And, and in all seriousness, not all jokes aside, like those, those I mean, that looked, that was some real emotion. What? Does anyone know what? So here, I asked happened? Debo, you got, I asked him in our pre-production meeting. I said the same exact thing because I knew there was a rift. Right. I didn't know exactly if there was a moment in time, if it was something over, uh, over a period of years. What is the gist of it, Debo? So this is all rumored, yep. all allegedly, but when Magic Johnson contracted HIV and made that announcement in 1991, it was rumored that Isaiah Thomas started spreading rumors that Magic was either bisexual or gay, and this got back to Magic. And then Magic had a lot of influence on the Dream Team in 1992, a year later. Uh, Isaiah got snubbed on that. Famously yeah. off the team. Isaiah definitely held a grudge for not being on the most famous basketball team of all time. Definitely deserved it. John Stockton, a great player, but he was would have been the backup yeah. point guard over Magic on that roster, but apparently it all stems from that. But they've never publicly lashed out at one another. This has been a very like they're just cold, like ice cold. I don't know. I'm 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 I don't know this or not. Twenty five so. year grudge well, and they're out there crying. If you remember, they used to be I mean Oh, the kiss? Yeah, I mean everybody I remember that yeah, and I'm like, what's going what on right that? now? Yeah. Have you ever do you ever kiss another grown man? <laughs> no. No, I mean I kiss my dad on the cheek. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't like, even kiss my dad. He's not I, super, you know, super affectionate. Yeah. So, um <laughs> I give him the half. Hug. So they were really close, needless <laughs> yeah. to say. Um look, both of those guys, I've got I've got history with both of them to a certain degree. And they've both been great to me. So they're both classy dudes. Um, great, great ambassadors of the game. Um, you know, I'm glad to see them bury the hatchet. Like it looked like, you know, that stuff, even if it was 30 years old, is still like right at the surface. Yeah. You know, especially for Isaiah, it looked like. Right. So like, I'm, I'm happy to see them do that because, because, uh, you know, all too often, and this is all jokes aside, like we hold on to stuff that's just silly. Yeah. Like in families and in, in friendships and, and, you know, life's too short for that. I totally agree. I don't know if I'm more shocked at the emotion that came out from this or the fact that I didn't realize they were that close. Like, were they besties when they were competing against no, each I other? No, I think they were they really were... tight. Like, I, think yeah, I they guess were... so. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Obviously, yeah. they had a relationship that lasted a long time, even though they were competing against each other as some of the best matchups we've ever seen. And Isaiah had a great line at the end. Like, he's hugging Ken Harley. He's like, I'm still mad at you. Cause you beat me. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he was, like he was still joking <laughs> on for that. But yeah, it's, it's a good thing to see. Uh, in 2009, Magic was talking about the reconciliation 
And he said, if that day doesn't come, then it doesn't come. So that was in 2009. He sounded like he wasn't having any of it. Wow. But good to see in 2017. Yeah, uh, buried, finally hatchet, buried the hatchet. Put that beef to rest. In other Isaiah Thomas news, except this is the one for the Cleveland Cavaliers. IT4? Yeah, IT4. Okay. He, uh, he's been making some waves. Uh-oh. We've seen him out there in pregame a lot. He's been Uh-oh. shooting, been running the court. Yahoo! has reported that he's targeting the first week of January for a return. He's expected to uh, go five-on-five five practices soon, then go through a stint in the G League. What do you think that pro- – I, I was surprised when I saw that. Like, does he really have to go to the G League? Dude, first it? of all, the G League – kudos to the G League and the NBA for making it okay to go to the G League. Because when I played and the D <laughs> League first came around, like, there was no chance nobody was going to the G League. Like, right. you – rehab be damned. Like, I'll do my rehab in practice. I'm not going down to do a stint in the G League. Um is it necessary? It it's it, it's not necessary. Well, it is because what happens is like teams like the Cavs at this point. What? How many games are they in? Twenty five? Are they thirty games in right now? Yeah, thirty. Um, they're not going to be doing a whole lot of practicing. They're just not. And so, what you would have to do to get Isaiah Thomas like real meaningful practice time and and you know blowing out his lungs is put together some sort of young kid game on the side, like all of your young rookies or second and third year players. And the Cavs don't have a lot of them. They're gray beards across the, across the roster for the most part. So you can't even like drum up a good game for him to play in and practice at this point. So yeah, for, in order for him to get some timing and play extended minutes and actually, you know, get those lungs blown out, send him to the G League. And it, it's not for his skill. It's basically for the conditioning and the timing of it. I think it's great. What they've done with the G League, it's made it like this is another reason why I think the NBA is going to explode past the NFL. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> because they have a developmental league now that they've got where in baseball we've had this forever. Like pitchers, they go down and play in AAA. Like no right. big deal. You're going to go do a little stint down there, get ready to go. Now they've got this where also it's becoming an attractive option in the summertime to watch the G League. I mean, I remember watching this season, watching Lonzo Ball. You're going to get a first look at some of your rookies, um, you know, to get them, see them right. play. So I think this is just another part in the evolution of the NBA, which is going to really impress. What, uh, what impact do you think it has when he returns? Is it going to be a slam dunk? Hey, the Cavs are a better team because yeah. they have been, LeBron's been putting up MVP numbers. They found this chemistry. They're winning. They're starting to challenge the Celtics where they look much closer than be, they did just a month ago. It's going to be huge for them. It's going to be Better? Yeah. You don't think there'll be a tough transition at all? There, I, I think there could be. There's a percentage chance that, that it, that it doesn't go off smoothly, um, from an offensive perspective, but I think that gets ironed out relatively quick. Um, right now they're a team that's built around LeBron making plays. Um, and although he's having his maybe best year of his career and the most efficient, um, you don't want a guy in, in LeBron's age range having to carry that much of the load offensively night to night. I mean, if he's not scoring it, he's assisting on it. If he's, you know, if he's not assisting on it, he's the one making the initial burst down the lane that gets the ball to Danny that allows him to swing it to Debo for the three. So it's the hockey assist. I mean, he's like Russell Wilson accounts for said percentage of, of, Seattle's touchdowns, like it would, I would want to know the numbers on LeBron, like two passes away from a score, yeah. assist and score, what percentage he accounts for. He needs another playmaker out there. And Isaiah Thomas is that. It will allow him to get off the ball a little bit. It will allow that second unit, um, when they, and I imagine they play Isaiah Thomas bridging the gap between LeBron leaving the game and the second unit, um, to have some more firepower and ability to make plays off the bounce getting other people involved. Uh, so I think it's going to be great for them. LeBron James, fifth in the league in secondary assists. Fifth in the league in secondary assists. What, what, yeah, what is he in, in primary? Is it like in, in, in second? Second. Yeah. And what is he in scoring? Man, Raja. Sorry. <laughs> he's putting you to the task. No, today. but real talk. I yeah, mean, he's, he's painting a picture of how much he actually has to do for them. I think it's very, I think it's probably third, third in scoring. Right. I mean, there's not, I mean, it's just, 
And you don't need all those stats to w- just watch a game. Throw yeah. it on and watch how many times he touches the ball, scores the ball, or like you said, is the facilitator to get the ball in the bucket. And what will happen is like that – the NBA probably, like unlike any other sport, is two different games, regular season and playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so while this exists in the regular season, LeBron being able to do all this and people – you know, kind of, they're not letting it happen because he's that good, but they are going to really game plan and try to take away what the Cavs like to do offensively in the playoffs. And if it's only LeBron, it's ex, you know, it's that much easier to really lock in and figure out what you're going to do defensively, schematically to stop that. Mm-hmm. When you've got other players like Isaiah Thomas and guys like that who can just get it, you know, you don't have to call a play for IT. You, he could just go get it. Yeah. Like, it's hard to game plan for that. And so it makes him that much more dangerous in the playoffs. So Isaiah Thomas looks like he's going to be back sooner than everybody thought. Maybe he's taking tips from Tom Brady's trainer. Because mm. <laughs> so, TB12, we talked about this a little bit. He's got the app, the off-the-field nutrition health aspect of Tom Brady. I think he wants to be his legacy. Right. I think that's a big part of it. He wants to go down as the greatest ever. But I also think he wants his legacy to be one of the longest – one of the – the longest careers to succeed in an age which nobody's seen done before. And he has credited his trainer, Alex Guerrero, as being that guy. Like he's put that much emphasis on him. So he's had this trainer basically travel with him to games, be a huge part of what he does, stretching all these aspects that make him the greatest in the enter. He's a business partner of him in the TB12 center, which again goes back to the cookbook. It goes back to the app. All of this goes back to this guy that's extremely close to him. Guess who doesn't like Alex Guerrero? Let me guess. One Bill Belichick. <laughs> Does he so, like anybody? <laughs> no, he doesn't. Anything outside the locker room. But so a few weeks ago, it just was reported, he actually banned him from the team playing, mm. from the sideline, where he does not want him around the office, so to speak. I think this could be a bigger deal than I, we think. Yeah. Uh, because obviously Tom Brady is the face of that franchise, right? It's Belichick and Brady. Those two are the greatest. If you take away something that he, that matters to him, what is that, like where does that, there's going to be some blowback. Yeah, that's a really weird space. Um, because I, like Steve Nash, when I played with Steve, um, he'd have his trainer, now he wasn't around every day, but he would come down from Canada, um, and Rick, I believe his name was, and uh, really good dude by the way, we had some great times, families and stuff like that, but, but he would come down and tune Steve up, you know, Steve had a bad back, so he'd work on him with his core, and you know, make sure his muscles were firing. And that was all accepted by, you know, and a kudos to like Aaron Nelson and, and Mike Elliott and guys like that who are our training staff at the time. Um, because that was what was in the best interest of Steve and it, it helped him physically and mentally. Uh, LeBron has a guy, uh, I can't recall his name, but he is independent of the Cavaliers, you know, strength and conditioning staff. He consults with them, but he's hands on with LeBron all the time. He administers all of LeBron's work to LeBron and does his rehab and so on and so forth. So it's not uncommon. Um, usually there, there is a understanding within the organization that, that that's what said player needs, especially if he's the face of your franchise and, and you just let it go. Like for lack <laughs> right. of a better way, like what are you going to do? Um, when you have a guy, uh, like Bill Belichick kicking someone out, there's, there's something going on there. There's well, something. supposedly. Guerrero was talking to other players, which you would assume, like, hey, if he's around the players all the time, he's going to develop some relationships. Right. And I'm sure a lot of those players, if I was backing up Tom Brady and I was a young guy, if I was Garoppolo before he left, I'd be like, man, how's this guy doing it at 40? Let me talk to his guy. Yeah. He was developing some relationships, and apparently he was going in and saying that some of the injuries were because of the training regimen that the Patriots were using, that the treatment they were receiving from the trainers and the medical staff, and he was basically – 
disagreeing with what the Patriots well, that's staff a bad was look. saying. Exactly, that's a bad look. it's a bad look. Yeah. What if he's right? Yeah, <laughs> and he well, might be, but I see where Belichick's like, hey, you're undermining my guys. I just wonder how bad it is if Belichick well, won, because I would assume Belichick first goes to Brady, calls him into his office and says, hey, your guy's killing me. He's going into all, I know it's your guy, but you can't have him coming in and undermining our staff to have him tone it back. Yeah. And that it didn't stop. Like, that's my go. assumption. Then he's got to go. Um, and in the short term, you know, it might be the wrong move because your point might be right. Maybe, maybe the guy's right, but you can't have that running around your organization. Not one that's as buttoned up as, as, as the Patriots are. So that's a long term, like, question is whether or not you dig into that in the offseason, but the immediate fire is like losing control and losing the culture that you have there. So you got to get rid of that. Yeah. Um, my, my, the question is, I guess the big question is, like, how's Tom in all of this? Like, is Tom, <clears throat> is Tom now off the reservation? Cause I know LeBron, like, Steve wouldn't, Steve wouldn't have acted like that. If, if Nash's guy was in there disrespecting what, uh, what the training Anybody. staff and them were doing, he, he would have, he, he would have been like, look, dude, you can't, I'm sorry, bro. You kind of, you put me in a bad spot. Um, but LeBron is so tight with his guy. Like, if you banned him, it's part of the reason, you know, it was rumored that he left Miami was that, his people didn't have the access and Riley hated to it, the right? planes, to the to the locker room that that LeBron wanted. Um, and so, like I, you know, if Brady's off the reservation with that, I, that 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 could be something. I think it all it all depends. I, I think it, Brady's reaction to this, I will probably never know because they're so close. Like in, in Belichick, which we'll is watch a press conference, he never says anything. But this goes back. So Mike Shannon was the head coach of the Broncos. Yeah. And at the pregame or at the preseason big meeting, you have this big meeting. Every player in this been this big conference room, and he's going over like your your goals for the season, kind of your team philosophy because you got some rookies, some free agents who are in there. He came up there and he like was going through it, and it was like one of the segments of the meeting. He's like, all right. He's like, I don't want this stuff in our locker room. He's like, I don't want any religion talked about in our locker room. I don't want any stock tips. And he's like, I don't want you guys talking about women. And he basically was saying, like, sharing women, yeah, like, yeah, getting yeah, the yeah, yeah. over women. And I was like, I was like, all right. Like, as, as somebody who's a Christian, I was like, all right, is that, am I allowed to talk about my faith? And it was never about that. But like, you've, and he, every locker room has different faiths. You got Christians, you got Jewish, Muslim, mm-hmm. you got everybody. I think it depends on, like, if, cause Brady has equivalent, this is where I'm going with this. Brady, it's, it's kind of like a religion to him. Like, he lives, eats, breathes. It is, what matters to him? Right. Is he in there preaching yeah. his religion to the locker room and saying, "Hey, you've got to do my system"? And is his Guerrero, his trainer, is he doing the same so, thing? Because once you're imposing your quote religion yeah. on everybody else, then it becomes a little bit overwhelming. It becomes offensive, and then there's peer pressure on, "Hey, I better buy into Brady's system right. and his guy, or else you're kind of on the outside looking in." So I think it's just one of those topics that you don't want to get too overwhelmed by or it can create a rift on a, on a in a sport where you need rapport you need everybody on the same page right. you don't want little rifts little factions within the locker room that's interesting so you're saying it could be a cultish type of I think environment it, I, there he with, clearly with, makes it a cult like you I mean yeah. look, the guy doesn't eat bread pasta like nothing like he is taking it to, yeah strawberries he's taking it to the next level what's wrong with strawberries bro i don't know something about, says he hadn't hasn't had one in his life well, he doesn't like them, right? So that's different. I don't think it's, I don't think that's the nutrition thing. Cause I think strawberries are good for strawberries you, right? Great. How do you know if you never try it? <laughs> well, I mean, you sound like you bought into the cult. He's drinking that juice, man. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> about to go down. Um, so big news in the NFL. I don't typically get too fired up from the Pro Bowl roster. Right. And we're actually doing a segment here, uh, for our CBS stuff where we're going to do Pro Bowl snubs. It's my least favorite 
topic of the year in all of sports. Haven't done radio, haven't done podcasts. Is the Pro Bowl that scrimmage they do (laughs) after the season? Yes, it's really dumb. The game is a joke. But I hate them worse, this topic. Yeah. So I went out to our producers that I'm doing the show with, and I said, what are we doing? Now, give me some ideas. And I got a little bit fired up. But I think I'm probably going to be wrong on it. So Pro Bowl snubs. They said the first one out of their mouth. I was like, what? Wait a second. How did he not get in? Case Keenum, Mm. incredible year for the Vikings, has them on the cusp of possibly the one seed, them or the Eagles. They're still fighting for that number one seed in NFC, was left out of the Pro Bowl, off the uh, NFC roster. That had me fired up. I'm like, why? Is it perception? He's a backup? Because it is a popularity contest. Right. So I was fired up about it until... Golf, Wentz, and... Drew Brees. Drew Brees. So I went and looked at it. I'm like, man, well, how do you get too fired up about that? Does he get the injury nod, though? Because Wentz is out? Yeah, he will. He will. Because he'll definitely get to play, which is all you really want. You want the free trip. You want the swag. You want all that. Yeah. Although in the NFL, guys don't even want to play because you don't want to get hurt. Right. But I, I hate the conversation. I don't like it. But what would you use to determine selecting a pro ball a pro bowl player or an nba all-star like what would you look for do you go strictly stat line like oh he's the top you know touchdown thrower he's in um yeah i think there's a i think at the higher end like of each category you would have to go with the I guy with golf. the most I meant Wentz. carson Wentz. it's all right russell yeah. wilson Andrew russell Reese. wilson russell wilson. that's what i left off so yeah wait who's in now sorry so it is Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, and uh, Drew Brees. So and he'll Drew get in. Brees. Carson Wentz is out. So Carson Wentz in. is out. All right. So right? Goff didn't get in. But I wonder who's yeah, higher so, on the – So Goff and Keenum could both be snubs. Right. Oh, wow. Right. Who goes then? Who goes? Uh, that's the, the yeah. next vote. Oh, so oh, oh. He could get snubbed twice. And you know twice? what? I bet Russell Wilson doesn't go. Yeah. I bet when it's all said and done, he's been banged up. He probably won't half, go. Half so the roster go. doesn't decide. To go. <laughs> right, because so none of them want to go. Matter. That's so right. fantastic. So back to the question. Though. No, I think I think at the upper end of each category, like you're leading, like passer, yes, receiver, yes, like you know, once you start getting into the, like the next tier of guys, then I think you can do like intangible stuff, like what they mean to their team. And it's hard for me with football because like I don't. I'm only looking at the guys that are doing the top end stuff. Right. Like with basketball, I'd make a case for a guy, like, even if he score 25 points a game, but he was out there, he might not block a lot of shots, but he's just a great team defender. Like, I, my eyeballs can tell me that on a basketball court. It's hard for me in football because I'm only really looking at, like, the, the guys making the tackles, the guys throwing it, catching it, and running it. Like, other than that, I, I'm not watching the guys in the trenches blocking, the receivers blocking downfield. Like, I don't pay attention to that stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I, it, I remember the Pro Bowl voting process being a complete joke as far as the players end. Right. Cause they pass out little pieces of paper and be like, Hey, Pro Bowl time, you know, get your votes. <laughs> and you literally have guys running around like campaigning for either their really? boy. Yeah. For like, Hey, that guy played with him in college. So You've got to get him in. Like yeah. he's got a huge bonus. Guys are campaigning for each other. It becomes a total popularity contest. It is not guys studying film saying, Hey, what's best for the game, which I don't, I don't expect it to be that. But it is a total shame. So this is all voted on the NFL's all peers. There's a combination of it, but it's it's a significant portion of it. The players part is. Well, the NBA's got more interest in because it used to be like starters fans, with starters were always fans. Like starters are fan votes, so that's straight popularity. That's why you could get people like uh, like who was it a few years ago got voted in and they barely. Zaza was close last <laughs> year. Right, right. right. Like, the push, like the joke. fan push. Um, and then it was the coaches for the for the um, I believe it was the coaches. 
was it the co- coaches and the, like Associated Press or something for for the reserves? But now, like it's like captain, and you get to pick. What's the format in the NBA now? Like, well, I think for the starters, it's now a third is the fans, a third is players, a third is coaches for the starters. Yeah, and then I think the coaches pick the reserves. Or we'll check on that. Wasn't there but, a captaincy like, and then you got to pick your team? That's going to change this year. That's Once change. those players are selected, then yeah. they're going to be assigned teams, and they're copying the NFL off that because right. the NFL did that with the Pro Bowl rosters. They had the captains. They had like the Hall of Famer guys like Michael Irvin and Dion so selected it, the teams. Did I hear something in the NBA where it's not going to be uh, like uh, yeah, so conference? Like, like LeBron it can, and Durant are captains, and they're going to pick their teams. So you could have LeBron. LeBron could be playing against his teammates, correct? Yes. Yeah. Right. yeah that, I, I love I like that. that too. I, like I do that too. too. I think all of them. You need to spice up the All Star games because none of them they play defense. But make it Money, make it a little bit interesting. Put some bread on that. Yeah. Thing. There's oh, already yeah. bread on it, but put enough. Put oh a, yeah. Put a million. <laughs> Put a million ahead on like the winning team in the yes. NBA, and you'll see some cats out there giving you some basketball. Same games. thing with a Pro Bowl. Yes. Like fifty grand isn't going to get it done no, for you when right. you're making ten or fifteen million. You need to have throw right. a mill, throw That's a million right. on it, Correct. get it on there. Put a million, a million, right. a million. So shout out, <laughs> shout out to the Pro Bowl rosters. We also have a new segment that Debo wanted to uh, introduce to us today: the shout out segment. Uh, we had some pretty historic moments yesterday. Congrats to our women's basketball greats, Gino Ariema of UConn and Sylvia Hatchell of UNC. Collect career 1,000th wins on Tuesday. Same day, both of them did Same it. Day. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like the fact that they both had their greatest coaches. Everybody knows Gino. I don't think anyone knows any other coach outside of Pat Summit or Gino Oriema. Right. Unless you're a diehard women's college basketball fan. Sylvia Nobody Hatchel. knows Sylvia Cancer Hatchel. survivor too. Cancer survivor. Really? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Pretty dope. Pretty Congratulations. Cool Quick question for you. How do you stack up Gino or Pat Summit or Sylvia Hatchell when you're talking about Greatest coaches of all time. Like when you say Phil Jackson, greatest yeah. coach of all time, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, yeah. do you stack him up with that group or should they have a separate group? I, I typically stack up like pros versus college anyway. Like I separate the two. So in the college All right, pantheon, so you're saying Coach K, Gino, yeah, 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 same yeah, yeah. group right, yes, right there? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Do you think Gino could cross over to the men's game and succeed? It's mm, a good question. Um I think he could have some success. I don't know that he'd be top tier. I think there's some some fundamental like uh, differences between the men's and women's games, just athletically, what what guys can do and what, what you can get away with, maybe. And the women's um, game is much more fundamental. Like it's fundamentally yeah. sound. Like they're playing better, quote better basketball when you look at plays being run as opposed to just sheer throw out the ball and let the guys go do it. Yeah, true. But I, I think he'd have success. But I don't know that. I don't. Uh, you know. I, don't I have know. no problem, and I, this is not very PC for today's world. I have no problem saying. Gino Ariema is the best women's basketball coach of all time. Coach K is the greatest men's basketball coach. Wooden, maybe you know, might yeah. have an argument yeah. there. But I have no problem separating the two. Like, I, and it's a it's a polarizing topic nowadays. Yeah, I think he might be able to succeed. But why do we have to compare him to Coach they're, K? They're, they do they they do different products. They're they different games. Different they're products. different games. They're yeah. not played the same. Like yeah. they're, they're they're just not. Another historic moment in the Big Twelve college basketball. Oklahoma freshman Trey Young. Tied the NCAA record with 22 assists. He also had 26 points. He's averaging 28 and a half a game Ugh. and 10 assists per game. 22 assists in one game. Ugh. That's getting it done. That would take me like eight games to get 22 <laughs> assists. <laughs> I know the young fella is the truth. He's the real deal. He's, he's the truth. Um, I look. Stayed home is from Norman, Oklahoma, and is absolutely going like bananas. Um, good for you. Yeah, he's he's dope. Insane stats right there. Yeah. All right, that's our shout out segment. Let's get to topics. This is my favorite one. No, I'm gonna get a shout out. Oh, you got one. I got two shout outs. Okay, what you got? Western High School eight and one. 
Davie, Florida. Nice. I think they had like five wins last year. We, we started uh, helping the program this year. And, nice. And Team Mamba, coaching? our travel. Yeah, I am. And then Team Mamba, our travel team, got an invite to the John Lucas in uh, in Houston, Texas. So that's pretty exciting. Very so, cool. Big yes, moment. Shout All right. out. Shout out. Shout out. I got one. <laughs> I finished <laughs> second the father daughter tournament <laughs> in the golf yeah. tournament up at PGA National with my girl Cameron. There so we go. Shout out. No doubt. <laughs> All right. Family shout outs. I like it. What's we'll you guys a weekly segment? <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do we got for topics, Debo? You know what's overrated? Sportsmanship. Sport- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taking a page out of Rajah's rules. That's a direct quote from Rajah <laughs> Bell on episode 13. Well, yep. that sportsmanship thing creeping up again. Last night, Missouri basketball survived a scare to beat Stephen F. Austin 82-81. to Post game, Tigers coach Quanzo Martin decided he wanted to address and praise the Lumberjacks for their effort. You're a talented team. And one thing I always tell our players, guys, it doesn't matter from the jersey. Y'all got just as much time as we got, man. That's why I, I ain't telling you no to make you feel good. We go home. I'm telling you real talk, man. I've never done this in my career. Guys, I'm telling you, y'all got a hell of a team. You got a hell of a coach. Y'all defend your ass off. Best defense we played all year, man. So that's Quanto Martin, head coach of Mizzou, talking to Stephen F. Austin's team after he just beat them. Yeah. Your thoughts. Uh, what was the score? By one. Close game. A one point loss. And they probably were favored by a 15. At least yeah, I'm okay with it. You I'm are. Okay. I, I initially I was like making the hell up out of my locker room. Like I don't See, want to do anything right now. Um, but you know I'm trying to think. Like when we went to we went to Arizona and we played them in a tight ass game in in the in their tournament. We weren't supposed to be on the court with them. If Lute Olson had come in and been like, "Hey man, you you guys are tough. We ain't know a lot about you, but you were tough." Like I, I might have been all right with that. I could have been cool with that. <clears throat> I'm okay with it if Mizzou had lost. Right. Like and then you go congratulate the team. He's going in there, and there's video of it. He's talking to the team, and Stephen F. Austin's coach is standing right next to him, and he's addressing the team almost like it's this. Like he's yeah. he's talking to them, coaching them up, saying, "Hey, good job." I think it's a really dicey situation. I think it played out here. Everybody loves it. It's kind of like the Tom Bali and uh, Bosa thing. Everybody loves you this. Hate it. I I I didn't love it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> this one everybody loves. Like, oh, what a great moment. Coach Bowden used to do it at times to other teams. Right, go over there. And say, hey, great game. But I think he wouldn't do it in this fa- – it was like a formal team. I guess one thing, like, go, what's what's the post-game handshake for? That's when you go around and tell each player, hey, man, hey, you did great. great. Right. You did a great job. You guys really showed a lot of heart. Why do you have to go address the team in a formal setting? Well, don't you imagine that the point, coach had to be all right with that, though. I, he had to have been. But at what point is there going to be a moment when a coach is like, yeah, I'm going to go talk to your team, and the coach is going to be like, no, get up out of my locker room. And well, then it's not going to fly. Yeah, I mean, I look. If he didn't like that, he should have told him. If well, he was, as he I'm asked, sure he like, was fine bro. with it. I, they, I think they even applauded when he left. But I was like, you just lost. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I, I, I was all right with it though. I mean, it. Ultimately, if, I'm all right with it too. If you had beat the brakes off of him, like <laughs> yes, that would have been really yeah, corny. But. Right? When's that gonna happen? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next up. All right. So Kwanzaa Martin giving out some advice. Chris Dapsberzingis giving out gifts in a move that proves he's in New York and not Latvia anymore. The star. Gave Tim's to his Knicks teammates right before the holiday season. Danny has a QB. Did you ever give out any gifts? I did. What are Tim's? Are those Dead ass. Oh. Timberlands. Oh, Tim's. Timberlands. I- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dead ass. Right, there's Dead a ass. lot of white boy references <laughs> in here. A lot of them. No, no. Here's what I was. When you said you threw me off because you said Latvia, I thought because there's a there's a cookie that's from Australia. It's like a Tim's or Tom's or something like that. And I thought this might have been a food that uh, was soup. But now Tim, I know what. Are you what, buying that? Are you buying that? <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was something uh, to his culture he was bringing over. Um, 
I think he probably could have spent a lot more money to get him something nicer, <laughs> but he probably has a deal with Timbaland with, uh, with the company. Yeah. I gave my offensive line when I had one year, we went to the playoffs. We had a good year and I was actually the starter to finish the season. We lost in the playoffs, but that Christmas I was making league minimum. It was about 230, yeah. 240, something like that. I brought my, I bought my offensive lineman wallets. Okay. Like Coach Wallace. Coach, they were, yes. They were probably a couple hundred bucks Yeah, a Coach was, uh, you know, Coach was all right back then. the whole offensive line, not just the starters? I got them all. I, I hope so. I don't remember. I think I got them. The way they played the next year, maybe it was only the starters. Uh, but that was what I got. Did you guys ever? Now, I did, within the quarterback rooms that I played on, we did a quarterback exchange. Right. They were always kind of goofing on each other. Like, you'd get something corny, like, to kind of mess with the dude. Yeah. Uh, we never got, like, serious gifts. Yeah, I didn't, we didn't, I didn't. But my man, like Jake Plummer, like he used to get the offensive, he was making, you know, yeah. good, significant money. Sure. He'd get them really good gifts. Like I think one year he bought him ATVs. Like you're oh, talking dope. about, you know, seven, eight grand a yeah. piece for each player. Uh, and that was, the, and the offensive lineman loved him for it. Um, I would have loved him too. Yeah, like me that. too. I was like, what about the backups? Um, we we, yo, a little something over here. Um, no, we never, I never really, I'm trying to think if anybody ever gave or I definitely did not give out gifts <laughs> to the whole team. Um, I don't know Bottom that I ever bug. got any, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, Tim, that's kind of. I mean, look. Yeah, it's a good you're one. in New York. Yeah, Players I see. He wears Tim's awesome. a lot. I see him. In yeah, he does like wear he a likes lot. His Adopted Tim's. the culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like the the New York swag. If he starts <laughs> dropping dead ass like in interviews, then you know we we're, we're, the culture's seeping in. Yeah. All right, Porzingis, a third year pro in line for a max contract. He can definitely afford those Tim's. Browns rookie defensive lineman might have a harder time stomaching this $37,000 dinner oh. bill hosted by Emmanuel Ogba. Now, Miles Garrett has the money. He was the number one overall pick. But Caleb Brantley and Larry Ogunjobi, probably not so much. It's a hallowed tradition in sports, making these rookies pay for stuff. But is $37,000 too much? Who was there, the entire defense, or was it Looks just the like position it. group? Yeah, it must have been. That's a big bill. Now, I don't know so, how you get to 37. Now, the thing has been, and this is what bothers me, it's almost been like a, hey, let's screw them over. Yeah. Like, I get it. Like, the rookies should buy. And this is where Miles Garrett needs to step up and just be like, I got you. Like, I'll get yeah. it. I'm the, I'm the first-round pick. Over I'm the a top $5 over. million dollar bonus. Yeah, that's the one where he steps up and says, I got it. If he splits the bill, then screw you. Like, that's a messed-up move. Every team I've been on has a rookie dinner where you'll take you out to eat. A lot of times you'll you'll even help on the bill, but you'll go easy on them. But now I almost feel like it's a thing where you want to kind of beat the last team that did it because we've seen these bills posted on social media. Like social right. media is the downfall of a lot of this stuff. And this one he clearly is over there because they, they start ordering like the Remy, like the old, like yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. the oldest, most expensive. They'll get the um, – What's the tequila? The Don, uh, Don Julio? Oh, yeah. The 1912 or whatever. <laughs> 1812, whatever it is, they'll buy those. And they'll just order like 10 of them and they'll get them to go. Like, that's, that's messed up, right? I, look, I'm fighting you. If you leave me with the $37,000 bill, I don't care if I just signed for $5 million. I am Even like, if you got the $5 am, mil, you ain't going down? Why do I have... Maybe it's because I was raised in a different environment because I think the NFL has it wrong. I think that... <laughs> Like the NBA does it right. Wait, you take care of your rooks. Like you take them out. When I was a rookie, you know, Dikembe Mutombo and and you know Allen Iverson, Aaron McKee, Eric Snow, those guys looked out for us. Like they they took us shopping. They 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 bought us meals and stuff. And then we pass that down. Like as we get older and we make our money, you didn't have any rookie then we hazing. No, our hazing was silly. Like our hazing, like we had to carry bags. Like I had to wait for the 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 team bus to show up with all the bags and I had to divvy out and take bags to rooms. I had to make sure everyone had their 
their um, practice bags in the morning. I had to, you know, if Danny Cannell loved to have a paper and coffee, like Terry Porter was my vet when I was with San Antonio, I'd have a USA Today every morning and a hot cup of coffee, donuts, um, the random, like if they want to be, you know, a-holes about it, they kick a bunch of balls like up into the <laughs> second row during right. your shoot around and you got to go get them. But nothing that's putting you in like financial like binds like that. That's their job. They've made the money. Let me make my bread, and then I'll spend some money on the rooks. But you, you never racked up a thirty-seven thousand dollars bill, bro. I am TJ, fighting you. TJ Fridays. What? Nothing. TJ Fridays? Oh, on City Ave right there? Nah, but I got robbed at the the uh, what was the 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 green something green right behind it? Their apartments. Um, but they got me. I was in I was in San Francisco, and it was an inside job. They knew I was out of town, and they robbed me blind. Speaking of robbed, you see Charlie Villanueva? No, what got robbed. To His house got robbed in Dallas. Did it really? They stole his appliances while he was gone. Now, that tells Appli- you like inside. major appliances. His toilet. They took out the toilet out of the ground. Was it gold plated? I don't know. That's what he was tweeting pictures of it last night online, and he was saying he called the cops. They didn't come in four hours. He called him four times. They still hadn't been to his house, and he's tweeting pictures of his, his bathroom. There's a hole in the ground. He's like, "This is so messed up. They stole my toilet." We don't know if it was gold plated. What part of da- <laughs> right? We don't know because he didn't show the picture of it. Part of Dallas is exactly. Right, hey, Charlie, another uh, good dude, man. Like yeah. I talked about Ryan Shazier, yeah. Um, you know, because my son, my my little one's got alopecia, mm-hmm. and Charlie's a good dude. I talked to him. You know, I didn't really get to know him when we played, but I spent some time when I was in Cleveland chatting him up on the sideline, talking about his experience, so I could kind of know what to deal with. My boy, really good dude, man. Charlie, you got to protect your stuff, bro. Yeah, maybe you should get him a toilet. Yeah, buy him a new toilet. Uh, get yeah. you some cameras, Charlie. Come on, baby. <laughs> Messed up. All right, that's a wrap for Off the Bench. Episode 14. I like our man Debo's going with names, the athletes, greatest numbers of all time. Jacob I, Gomez. I cle- Ooh, that's a good – who? <laughs> Plays on my youth team. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to roll with it and be like, yeah, I'm supposed to know that name, but I won't. Uh, so we'll see who he comes out with. Yeah, who you 14. got? 14, who you got? I don't know. Brad Johnson? Oh, right. Super Bowl winning quarterback. Uh, make sure you hit us up on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you can find podcasts. We're on there. If you go to Apple, go to the iTunes page, leave us a five-star review. We need your questions. Five-star Q&A. We're calling it. We're going to answer those on Friday. Give us your feedback at Canel and Bell. we got to get to 10,000 so we can do our rap battle in here freestyle, even mm. though Raja is prepping beats mm. and writing out rhymes. Uh, we're going to do that if we get to 10,000 followers. So thanks for the support. Keep listening.